I hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, welcome to our summer series at the movies. I, uh, really quickly, I love movies. I love movies. And I grew up like watching and loving movies, right? Uh, actions and comedies and dramas and thrillers and horrors and rom-coms, all of it. I love all of it. And family movie nights and going to the theaters and sleepovers where we'd fall asleep to movies. I mean, movies are a huge part of my life growing up, and I love movies. I love listening to a good story, and I love listening to good storytellers. And in fact, Jesus also loved a good story. In Mark chapter 4, verse 34, it says this, Jesus did not say anything to the public without using a parable. But when he, when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Now, a parable is a short story, and most of the time it was a fictional story. It was not real. It was a, a short story to um, talk about the issues of the day. So in Luke 15, there's a story of the prodigal son. That is a made-up story. The prodigal son did not actually exist. Jesus used a made-up scenario to talk about an issue. Jesus loved telling stories, and he loved using stories to communicate. It was his preferred method of communication. And today, and for the rest of the month of July, this is going to be our method of communication, is is looking at stories and examining stories to see the godly principles we can pull from them. So um, today, we're looking at the movie Hacksaw Ridge. So let's watch the trailer. What was your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who was Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all of them go fight for me. Would you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. That's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I fell in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. You're saying you could go to prison. I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. Who did this? That's the card. We have to go back up tomorrow. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Help me. You'll have to trust me. You better come home to me. Please, Lord. Help me get one more. Help me get one more. It's a good movie if you've never seen it. 
uh, Hacksaw Ridge is a 2016 biographical war film that focuses on the World War II experiences of Private Desmond Doss. Uh, he was a combat, combat medic, and he was also uh, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, and he believed so strongly in the commandment not to kill that he wouldn't touch a gun. He would not touch a gun, and he was almost uh, court-martialed for it. And I'll, I mean, I'll get into that a little bit later. But he was the first conscientious objector to be awarded the Medal of Honor by the, the United States um, for service above and beyond the call of duty during the Battle of Okinawa. So it's a true story. Uh, in short, uh, Hacksaw Ridge is the story of a man who loves God first, and he wants to honor God with his life in the midst of unforgiving circumstances, war. He wants, to, he wants to honor God with his life, even in war. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe, maybe not war, right? Maybe not a physical war, but have you ever been in a situation where you wanted so desperately to honor God with your life, but you didn't know how you were going to be able to do it? And, and you didn't know how you were going to be able to like survive the situation and honor God at the same time. I think we've all been there, or, or if you haven't, you will be there at some point in your life. You'll be in a situation where, man, I just, I got to survive, but how do I honor God in this? Today, I want to uh, examine uh, Hacksaw Ridge, but along, I want to parallel it with a story in the Bible that's also about war, and it's also about honoring the things of, of God uh, in war. And so, uh, before I do that, though, let's pray together this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And um, I just thank you that we're able to gather here together today to um, worship you. And I just pray that your word would root itself deep inside our souls today, God, that we would come to know you uh, more, God, more deeply. We, we would come to know you better than we knew you before, God. We love you. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. Now, before I read the scriptures, I have to, I have to tell you, I say this almost every week, I, I always preach from a perspective of there and then. Now, if you don't know what that, that means, um, I believe this, that if we're going to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we first have to understand what it meant there and then, right? I always, uh, I always, I always say, like, if we're going to understand the words of the Bible, we have to understand the world of the Bible, because there's a lot of people out there who want to tell you what the Bible says, but not a lot of people can actually help you understand what the Bible means. And so um, I'll always preach from a perspective of there and then. So I want us to go there, and I want us to go then in the book of Judges, um, setting up the book of Judges, or setting up the story for you. In the book of Judges, we can read about the downfall of Israel, okay? So... Um, in, in Exodus, God frees uh, Israel from slavery to the Egyptians. And then in Deuteronomy, he gives them the law. This is how you're supposed to represent me. Then in Joshua, he moves them into the promised land. And if the story stopped there, you'd think, victory. But then after the book of Joshua, we have Judges, where Israel just kind of poos all over themselves. And um, they stopped obeying God and they strayed away from him. And because they strayed away from him, they came under the oppression of a rival nation, the Midianites. And um, in their oppression, 
in their oppression, they came to their senses and they cried out to God, God, save us. God, save us. And so when they cried out to God, God had compassion on them and he raised up a judge to lead Israel out from the oppression of the uh, Midianites. And this is the story we're, we're jumping into. Israel's just cried out to God, and God just anointed a man named Gideon to be the judge that leads Israel out from the oppression of the, the uh, Midianites. And Gideon's assembling an army to fight this, these, these Midianites, and they're fighting for their freedom. They're fighting for their freedom. And in the process, God tells Gideon to cut down the size of the army so that Israel doesn't take credit. They had thousands and thousands of people, and God says, take 300 in battle. That way, I'll give you victory, and you can't take credit for it. And so let's jump in. Judges chapter 7, starting in verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midian camp, Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. So Gideon takes some guys and he sneaks into the Midian camp, Midianite camp, and he finds these two Midianite soldiers, and they're having a discussion, so he's just quiet, and he just listens to the discussion. And one of the Midianite soldiers is talking about a dream he had. And they start, these two Midianite guys start talking about it, and they start talking about an interpretation, and they, they conclude that the dream meant that Gideon's God, that God of Israel, was giving Israel victory over the Midianites. And so Gideon heard this, and let's, let's see his response. Verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. So Gideon gathers his 300 soldiers and he gives them uh, instructions and he gives them plans to attack this camp of an entire army. So this entire army had thousands and thousands and thousands of, of soldiers, and these 300 guys are bringing the fight to them. And um, so, so Gideon's instructions are, at, at my signal, smash the clay jars and blow the horn. And, and, and that's where we kind of pick it up. And like, it sounds crazy, 300 guys bringing the fight to tens of thousands, but what happens is actually crazier. Verse 21, each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places far away as Bet-Shitah near Zerorah and to the border of abel Melcholoah near Tabat. So this, this story of Gideon in Judges 7 is a story of war, and it's a story about fighting for freedom, and it's a story about fighting for, um, basically fighting for the things of God. And in today's feature film, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, we have a story about fighting for freedom. And um, there are a few parallels between Hacksaw Ridge and, and this story of Gideon that I want to make today, I want to draw today. Um, today I want to make a few observations. Today the, the title of my message is Life Lessons of War. And there are a few observations I want to make about these life lessons of war that we can learn from Gideon, we can learn from our movie. Uh, the first observation is this. 
Undealt with trauma destroys. Undealt with trauma destroys. Now, I didn't read this part, but this is in the Gideon story. This is, this is uh, after what we just read. Judges chapter 8, verse 19, it says, They were my brothers, the sons of my own mother, Gideon exclaimed. As surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. So what happened is um, some of the Midianites fled, and Gideon chased them. And Gideon actually was um, hired by a couple of Israelite towns to, to capture the Midianite kings and bring them back. And when he found the kings, he was so enraged because these kings killed his brothers, he was so enraged that he killed them instead of bringing them back. And then, and then when these people who hired Gideon to, to capture the, the kings found out that he killed the kings, Gideon, enraged, killed these other people too, his own people. So in, in a rage and in trauma, Gideon is doing crazy things and he's destroying even his own people. Um, I want us to take a look at this video clip right now. I hate him. Mama? Why does he hate us so much? No, he don't hate us. He hates himself sometimes. Your daddy denied that ain't the real him. I wish you knew him like I did before the war. Have you ever heard the phrase forgive and forget? Silly question. We probably have all heard it multiple times. We probably used it multiple times. Forgive and forget. Um, there's one problem with this saying, and the problem is it's not possible. <laughs> forgive, and for, forgive and forget's not possible. Forgiveness is a process, and you almost never forget traumatic events that happen in your life. Forgive and forget's not possible. When people say forgive and forget, what they're actually saying is just move on, which if you just move on without dealing with the trauma in, in your life, if we just move on without dealing with the trauma in our lives, it will end up destroying us from the inside out. And once it's destroyed us, it'll move on to everyone else in our lives. This, this uh, uh, clip was a part of the movie. Uh, so the little boy was, was Desmond Doss as a kid. Um, and he's having this conversation with his mom after his dad just went nuts and basically beat them all. Um, and... If you couldn't hear it, he says, why does he hate us so much? And she said, he doesn't hate us. He hates himself. And, and what, what we didn't see in this clip was that um, Desmond Doss's father, Tom, he was in World War I. And he watched all of his closest friends slaughtered on the battlefield. And it messed him up. And he came back from World War I with uh, an alcohol addiction and with this rage that he couldn't get out of himself. And so he would beat his family. And, and um, there's even a scene that we won't see, but there's a scene where um, Tom Doss, the dad, he pulls a gun on the mom. He's getting ready to shoot her. And Desmond has to come in and intervene. Like trauma does weird things to us when we, when we don't deal with it. Undealt with trauma destroys. We see that in Hacksaw Ridge. We can see it in, in the, the story with Gideon. Gideon's trauma led to unnecessary destruction. He confessed, 
I wouldn't be killing you if you didn't kill my brothers. Trauma does weird things to us when we don't deal with it. When we experience something uh, traumatic in our lives, we don't deal with it. It begins to eat away at the fabric, fabric of our lives. It begins to erode everything. It consumes us when we don't deal with that trauma. Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just trust the Lord and just move on. No, like God wants to walk with you through that trauma. We have to face it, whether it be emotional trauma or physical trauma, or mental trauma, or spiritual trauma, it doesn't just go away if we stop thinking about it, or if we stop talking about it. What it does, if we don't deal with trauma, it lays dormant until it's triggered, and then we have to deal with it all over again. Undealt with trauma destroys you. It destroys everyone in your life. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Deal with it. Fight it. Face on. Bring it to the Lord. Confront it. Wrestle the traumas in your life with the Lord because he's the only one that can help you with that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. We try, we as just people in general, we try to take on our traumas by ourselves. We carry them by ourselves, but God's saying, give them to me. I want to help you. I love you. Give me your hurts. Give me your pains. Give me your traumas. When the world seems to be caving in and and crashing down, we have to fight to lay it at his feet. We can't run run from it. We have to deal with it. So that's the first first observation. Undealt with trauma destroys. The next life lesson for more that I want to kind of talk about today is this. We have to stand up for what we believe in. You have to stand up for what you believe in. Judges 8, chapter, uh, Judges chapter 8, verse 4 says this. Gideon then crossed the line, uh, crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, and though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. Watch this video clip. So you don't hear voices? No, sir. I pray to God, and I like to think he hears me, but it ain't a conversation like the one we're pretending to have right now. <laughs> Pretending, Private. Well, yes, sir. I know all you really want to do is give me a Section 8, drum me out of the army, but I'm not off, up above. I just simply believe what I believe. Well, I'm trying to understand, all right? Was it, was it God who told you not to pick up a rifle? God says not to kill. That's one of his most important commandments. Most people take that to mean don't commit murder. War is a completely different set of circumstances. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. This is Satan himself we're fighting. Surely as a good Christian, you can see that. I can't see that, sir, and that is why I joined up. But I'm sorry, I will not bear arms. So Gideon believed very strongly in what the, in the, in what the Lord spoke. He believed so strongly that he took a small group of Israelites and chased an entire army. Desmond Doss believed so strongly in, in the conviction and the command not to kill that he was willing to be court-martialed and face prison time because he would not follow a direct order from his commanding officers. He was ready to endure whatever punishment was necessary to stand up for what he believed in, to stand up for a promise that he made to God. Uh, what about you? What about me? Are we willing to endure whatever punishment may come our way to stand up for what we believe in, to to stand up for our faith in the Lord? Are we willing to do that? 
would we be willing to endure real persecution for the sake of Jesus? And when I say real persecution, I don't mean like somebody criticizes us on Facebook. I mean like actual abuse for the, for the, name of Je- for the namesake of Jesus. Are we willing to endure that? Are we willing to endure public humiliation and ridicule for the faith that we profess? Um, David Lynn is uh, a semi-well-known um, street preacher in Toronto, up in Canada. And um, he's known for walking around the streets with a small speaker, and he's got a microphone, and um, he, he preaches the forgiveness of Christ by the remission of sins, right? And, and he, tries to, um, he tries to win people to Jesus on the streets of Toronto. It's, it's, um, it's pretty in your face, and, and he has no, no problem, like... No problem speaking his mind. Now, whether or not you, um, whether or not you agree with his methods, because um, he's like hated. He's hated by the LGBTQ community because he speaks against what they believe and all that. Um, whether or not you agree with his methods, it's inarguable that he's willing to stand up for what he believes in. That's inarguable. Um, there's a uh, viral video of David Lynn performing a baptism. And he, so in this video... He's standing in a lake, and um, the guy that he's baptizing is kneeling um, next to him, and David Lynn's praying over him. But amongst them is a group of LGBTQ plus protesters, and they're yelling, they're shouting, they're blasting music, they're trying to disrupt this holy moment. They're spraying him with silly string, they're throwing things at him while he's trying to baptize this guy. And... And he goes through and, you know, he goes, he does the baptism and they come up and they celebrate. There's, there's a small group of Christians among this, amongst this big group. And after the baptism, they come up and, and they celebrate together and that kind of thing. But it was, it was like wild to see that there are actually people trying to stop this baptism, trying to like shout down um, what these people were doing. It was wild. Ultimately, standing up for what we believe in is a result of believing that God is, is with us. Ultimately, standing up for what you and I believe in, it's a, it's a result of believing that God is with us, that he'll never leave. Um, if we truly believe that God is with us, that he'll never leave us, then we would have no problem standing up for what we believe in. But sometimes it is a problem because deep down we question, man, is God really going to be with me? Is God really here right now? I, that, and that's a, an insecurity. So, so what happens? What happens when we stand up for what we believe in despite our circumstances? What happens? When we stand up for what we believe in, people stand in awe of the power of God. When we stand up for what we believe in, people stand in awe of the power of God. And they do things that, doesn't, that don't make sense to them necessarily. In our story with Gideon, again, this small group of Israelites chased an entire army because, because of, of Gideon's faith and, and standing up for what he believed in. In, in Hacksaw Ridge, um, Desmond Doss's unit, like Desmond Doss's faith was so great that eventually his entire unit would not step one foot onto the battlefield without him going to prayer first. There's a scene where um, uh, they're supposed to engage the enemy and, um, and they're like 10 minutes late. <laughs> they're supposed to have been engaged for 10 minutes already and, and they haven't. Um, and the, the commanding officer in the field, he radios the captain. He said, where are you guys at? You're supposed to be blah, 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 whatever. And he said, Desmond, you know, Private Doss is praying for us. He said, what are you talking about? He said, 
Not one guy would go into battle until he prayed for us. When, when we stand up for the things that we believe in, the people around us stand in awe of the power of God. Standing up for what you believe in is, is, is crucial because in the eyes of the world, suffering is, is pain, but in the eyes of God, suffering is a vehicle for hope. So life lessons of war, undealt with trauma destroys. It destroys you and it destroys everyone around you. And then we have to stand up for what we believe in. The last life lesson of war I wanna talk about today is this. He is always with you. He's always with you. Judges 7.15 says, Then he shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. Watch this video clip. What is it you want of me? I don't understand. I can't hear you. a moment where one of his one of his friends dies this this is a moment where one of his friends dies and he's basically holding his friend and he said if you couldn't hear he says what is it that you want of me he says i don't understand and then he hears in the distance someone yelling medic medic and he knew that was god telling him go go get him and um that scene is it gives me goosebumps when you when you watch it all the way through because he goes and he he starts pulling guys out one by one and getting them to safety and every time he would every time he would pull one out and he would get he would get one down he would lower them down the ridge to safety he would say god help me get one more and he'd go back and he'd bring them god help me get one more and then he'd go back and he did that till he rescued 75 men how how do you run into gunfire from the enemy unless you know that the Lord is with you and he's calling you to it? He is always with you. God is always with us. It's one of the first things he says to the Israelites after he rescues them from Egypt. It's one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples after, or, uh, before he ascended to heaven. I'm always with you. I'll be with you forever. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So what does the Bible mean when it says he'll never leave us? What does it mean that when, it, when it says he's always with us? God is saying, I'll never send you back. When, when we said yes to Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we were adopted from darkness into the kingdom of God. And God's saying, I'm never going to send you back. You're never going to be an orphan again. You're mine. You are always in my grasp. I always have a hold on you. I'll never let you go. He's also saying, I'll never desert you. I'll never leave you behind. I'll never abandon you. If this does not encourage you or give you a greater understanding of the faithfulness of God, I don't know what will. He will always be with us, no matter the circumstance. No matter if you're riding high and, and life is awesome and you got everything you need or you're running into gunfire, the enemy, he's always with you, no matter what.
you can have full confidence of that. Whether, whether you're like Gideon and you're fighting an impossible battle or, or you're like Desmond Doss and, and you know, you're, you're, again, you're running into that gunfire unarmed, he's with you. God is with you. He will never give up. He'll never let go. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this. This is God instructing his people before they're about to take the promised land. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you whenever you go. The Lord is with you however you go. He's with you. Have confidence in that. Trust in that. Desmond Doss is real life proof of that. In his everyday life, he was proof of that. In basic training, in the army, he was proof of that. In war, he is proof of that, that God is with you wherever you go. He knew God was with him, and he lived like it. Gideon believed that God was with him, and he lived like it. On uh, worship team, you can come back to the platform. So those are our life lessons that we can learn from, from war, from Hacksaw Ridge, from the story of Gideon. Undealt with trauma destroys. Stand up for what you believe in. God is always with you. These are life lessons worth learning. These are life lessons that can save your life. These are life lessons that can save your relationships. These are life lessons that can build your faith. What if you could actually lay those, those burdens, those pains, those traumas down at the feet of Jesus and he could actually help heal them? What if? Whatever they are, wh whether, it's, whether it's, it's loss or whether it's divorce or whether it's, um, you know, you um, got fired from your job or you lost a bunch of money, whatever. Whatever the trauma is, what if you could actually lay it down at his feet and he could actually heal it? What if? What if? Imagine for a moment trusting and believing God so much that you have no problem whatsoever standing up for what you believe in and standing firm in your faith. Imagine that kind of trust. That's what God wants for you and, and me. That's what he wants for us. What if you actually believed that God is with you wherever you go, no matter what? That even when you can't see him, he's, he's working in your life. Even when you can't feel him, he's, he's working out everything according to his good and pleasing will. What if? What if we actually believed that? How would things be different in our lives? How would things be different in our relationships? How would things be different in our workplace? How would things be different at our school? How would things be different in your heart if you actually believe that? Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. God, I thank you that you um, like to have fun and that you um, can teach us things even through something as silly as movies. I pray that today, God, that um, these life lessons of war, that we, we wouldn't just move past this moment and we wouldn't, just, we wouldn't just think this is just another day at church, but God, this is a, a day where you can do work in our spirits. You can do work in our soul today, God. 
I pray for anybody, God, who's, who's dealing with this, um, this area of, of undealt with trauma. Maybe they're having trouble standing up for what they believe in, or maybe they're having trouble believing that you're always with them. I pray, God, that you would meet them right where they're at right now. In, in the name of Jesus, you just bring your peace, the peace of the Holy Spirit that surpasses all understanding. We love you, God. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I want to do right now is I just want to take a few moments and I just want us to respond. Um, that can look different for everybody. Um, it can be praying. It can be just meditating. It can be singing the song with the worship team. Um, you can stand. You can sit. Whatever. But I, I just want to encourage you, don't rush through this moment. Don't leave just yet. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue the work that he's doing right now because I think he's I think he's doing something. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. You can feel free to pray or sing the song or just sit and, and listen for God to speak. But but let's take a few moments and do that. Worship team, lead us this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're always with us that we always have your presence can give us assurance to, to stand firm in what we believe. Thank you, God. And thank you, God, that, that we can lean on you in times of trouble. We can lean on you with our, our burdens and our hurts and our pains. Thank you. Before we go today, I just have a few next steps that I want to challenge you with. And these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and begin to apply them to our lives this week, our, our, our faith this week. The first one is this, this week I'll examine myself to see if there's any undealt with trauma. Cast your cares on him, for he cares about you. This week I'll memorize Joshua 1, 9. It says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then finally, this week, I'll invite a friend to week two of At The Movies. We're continuing in our At The Movies series the rest of this month. We got uh, Back to the Future. We got Forrest Gump. We have um, We Are Marshall. And we have Christopher Robin to end the month. So um, it's going to be a fun month of July. So uh can't wait to see you guys. Let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Please help us to, to, to root ourselves in it, to root ourselves in your truth. We love you, God. We thank you. And finally, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for coming this morning. We will see you next time.